Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. If we were a best picture, we'd be Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven 1992. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> we still love ourselves. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me as ever is Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Mark. Hi. Hello, listeners. Uh, before we get into our topic today, which is Hearts, What About Love? Excellent question. Uh, we will answer it anon. First, a little pod business. Uh, first of all, if this is uh, your first time listening to Mastass, welcome. If it is not your first time listening to Mastass, also welcome. But we urge you to subscribe to our little podcast in iTunes or the podcast delivery vehicle of your choice. Even if you don't listen to every episode, which you should, because we make a lot of dick jokes, I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't have to listen to or relate to every single song that we cover, but we would really love it if you were subscribed because the downloads count on the iTunes chart and help other people, other listeners find us. And I don't think anyone in the world uh, should struggle to find our Madonna rankings a plural. Uh, so if that is... If we, Sorry, help Madonna, if we help Madonna herself hear them one day, then won't we have all done something for the world? I think so. And let's face it, Madonna really needs the exposure. <laughs> yeah, that poor woman. She's <laughs> worked in obscurity for too long. I know. Give, uh, give old indie DIY, DIY Madge a hand. Um, <laughs> speaking of DIY, I did not make the t-shirts for our podcast myself, but I did order them with consummate skill and you can buy one. Visit our Facebook page for more information. Our fit model is my husband, Dan. He's wearing a medium and you can get a shirt of your very own. Again, more information on our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash podcast. Thus concludeth the pod business. Mark, tell us what the hell we are doing here today. All right. Well, a few weeks ago, a listener named Erica let us know that she would love to hear us, us discuss a song by Heart. And she listed a few that she was interested in, but then said, but really any song by Heart would do. And Sarah and I ultimately landed on What About Love, which is the Heart song from 1985 that marked the rebirth of their career. The first single from their power pop phase that lasted from 1985 until forever, I guess. I mean, ever since. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is a song that reached number 10. It was the first single from their self-titled album that also brought us the songs These Dreams, Never, and Nothing at All. So that's a pretty fantastic quartet. And before we go any further, I think that we should listen to a clip of What About Love, again, the song that brought us 80s heart as we know them still. I've been lonely, I've been waiting for you, I'm pretending, and that's all I can do. You've been hiding, never let me 
Ooh, notice how many how many syllables she put in the word someday. Uh, Sarah, you were the one who suggested that this be our heart selection, and I'd love to know what for you made this one jump out. Uh, well, actually, listeners, what happened was we were enjoying a cocktail um, in the library at Joe's Pub. <laughs> Thank and you for putting it in about... the singular as the. As though it were just the one. <laughs> <laughs> After that first cocktail, yeah, yeah, I sort just, of ran together. Listen, listen, I want to talk to you about Shakespeare, but also... But. What about love, though? Like, really, think about it. Okay, I know. Stop it with that. Sothello's <laughs> loved... It's because we were at a bar at a theater in downtown New York that I'm... We were talking this way. Anyway, Sarah, sorry, carry on. I, I do sort of wish that we had recorded that conversation because <laughs> Mark being like, listen, King Lear, that bitch needs to just get over it. Here's like, the thing. That play doesn't make sense because <laughs> why would you just, you can't divide property like that. Go ahead. Fucking Gloucester. Just like Dan, man up already. Dan okay. does real estate. He knows you can't just three <laughs> times it out. <laughs> I love how now in this retailing, not only were you wasted, but you were going through puberty actively while we were talking. <laughs> My math teacher says graphing calculators are cheating. <laughs> Mr. Blevins, can I have a pass to go to the bathroom? Okay. Oh, <laughs> All right. This has been a great episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bringing it back on topic, this song... Uh, came out when I was going through puberty. There it is. We're back on topic. Uh, we were enjoying a cocktail and we were talking about upcoming episodes. And I think Mark was the one who was like, all right, well, what is the first heart song that you think of from the 80s? And what about love was the first one that I thought of. And my therapist always says that if you think of it first, it's significant. Uh, <laughs> so she could be full of shit. Uh, but we decided to go with this one. Uh, and I'm really glad we did. Like when I was prepping this episode, I was like, should we have maybe done dreams? Because I feel like that was like more like er eighties and like if I had to pick the 80s song that they did. Mm. But I'm glad we stuck with this one. because, And I'm glad that you pulled the clip that you pulled. Uh, because the, that lyric that we just heard made me wonder if this was a song about the uh, conundrum of feminism. And that uh, like tug of war between your career and your family that was still being very traditionally conceived and discussed as it were um, at that time and still is an issue. And particularly for these artists, these women who had had great success in the seventies, but I, I think were considered a novelty by a lot of people and struggled to be taken seriously. And then at this point, when this album comes out, you're sort of on the lip of Anne becoming synonymous with being fat. Like, let's just put it out there that that was like, you know, she was the fat one in heart. And it's like, there are all those, there are all those like problematic body shaming, reductive, dismissive things about that, that, these women have had to live with in their careers for 
40 years. So that lyric really hit me that I was like, you know, they're singing this to a, a man, presumably, but though that these issues came up for me was sort of interesting. In the middle of this song that is like a classic mid-80s, like, light everything on fire, literally, they do in the video, except for Anne's unfortunate backwards, sideways leather baseball hat. What the fuck <laughs> is even going on with that? Uh, and then she's like reading Gone with the Wind on the bus at the end and all the symbology that that brings up um, about sort of uh, strong women out of their own times. And But then on top of that, like Anne's voice is like, I'm not sure we even have words in English for this voice. What I wrote down is that you could not grow a rock bombast voice like this in a lab. Like, it, you would want, you would try. Like, if they had a rock bombast voice lab, this is the voice they would try to make. And they still wouldn't be able to. It's amazing. And Nancy's guitar solo, which we didn't hear, but go download this legally, of course, and have a listen. It's amazing. Like, they're just at work, you know? They're working it out. And this song actually holds up, I think, Dreams would have or also these been dreams. fun. Yes. Yes, would have been fun to revisit, but is like, I think the proportions of cheese to like nostalgic cheese to classic um like uh sustain are not as good as they are in this song uh which was extremely satisfying and oh god that that hair on literally everybody <laughs> in the video like that ah. one dude in the beginning it's this marvel of engineering um everything about this is great and brought me back to being 12 and um, eating Dipsy Doodles and watching MTV, which I was technically not allowed to do. But my mother was out running errands. These videos were on all the time. The, I mean, very, very 80s, but in the best way. And the song itself holds up, I would say. Mark. Oh, my gosh. So many things to explore. Uh, first, I would love to start with your comment about the lyrics, which I think is very astute. I, um, Although this song was actually, I learned, recently written by a Canadian rock band, uh, along with Jim Valance, who co-wrote Summer of 69 with previous podcast oh, discussion yes. subject, Brian Adams. Uh-huh. Uh, don't miss the Danny McEachern episode where we talk about that song. It's a, I love that one. Anyway, uh, the lyric in this song is sort of perfect in pop terms because it manages to feel specific while leaving room for it to be about a lot of different kinds of love. Agreed. And I think that you're right that based on the video... I, the whole go with the wind or whatever thing on the bus. It does seem like that for the ladies of heart at this time, it was a song about making a transition into a different type of womanhood. But then earlier this morning, while my husband and I, Andrew and I were making breakfast, he pointed out that now this song could be uh, Anne singing to Nancy about their current feud, <laughs> which is also true because oh it doesn't. Oh my God. Because for those who don't know, Anne and Nancy Wilson are currently in a feud because Anne's husband slapped two of Nancy's boys on the tour bus because the boys were leaving the tour bus door open and apparently sass-talking. So 
there's there's just a whole it, and, and that's, these are these are Nancy's kids with Cameron Crow PS so they should have tour bus etiquette fucking baked into their DNA and I, yet they're still horsing around like get a good wind up go ahead it's basically uh Ann and Nancy Wilson are currently team Mr team Mr Ann sorry <laughs> they're embroiled in the type of trashy family spat that we all experience in our own lives but theirs just happens to be on the national stage and anyway now it is true that you could say uh well there's a lyric later in the song that i i thought was uh quite apropos which is i can tell you what you're feeling i can't tell you what you're feeling inside i can't sell you what you don't want to buy something's Uh missing and you got to look back on your life like that's a great lyric, and it also could apply to sisters feuding. It could apply to one woman talking to another woman about being a different kind of woman. It, 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 and I, I just think that that it is could mo- be like you know, but like if you're in love with a more traditional man, yeah, it's like, well, I really want you to have kids and have a more t- you know traditional family as it as we think about it as you know quote traditional, and it's like, well, I can't you know. I've been there that it's like, well, I, I work. That's who, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. My family is colleagues and felines and I don't want to have kids of my own. And I can't, if you don't want that person, I can't make you. That's okay. Yeah. And I think we've all had that experience too, of saying, I only want to share it with you, my love. I only want to share it with you. And again, there have definitely been friends in my life where I have felt like, damn, I'm just like trying to show up and be your friend and like you're just you're just telling me clearly that you're not here for that and that sucks and like don't we all need that there's a great line in Tu Wong Fu thanks for everything Julie Newmar where Chi Chi Rodriguez says no one is so rich that they can refuse a friend and isn't that right what about love so yes the point being that <laughs> I love the elasticity of this lyric which nevertheless does not sound generic you know, it, it, it's like a really fine line. We were talking about this last week in the Oscar episode because the song This Is Me has no specificity. It, it tips too far into the vague uplift category. But this song manages to feel more specific so that you can imagine a specific scenario, but you can imagine a scenario that suits where you are in your life right now. It's sort of great songwriting. But uh, Yeah, it is. And then... Then you go into those like screechy guitar licks and as mandated. Well, and that's the other thing that I. She's standing on a scaffold and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Everything's burning down. You're like, that's goddamn right. And there is definitely for for feminists who have sort of struggled with what, you know, how to be in the world and being criticized for taking up too much space, literally and metaphorically. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's something... Sisterhood is powerful, but not everybody is there for that. And it's like you were saying. Like, right. some some people's receivers are not tuned to to that power. So... Yeah, you can only you can only be who you are. So, but yeah, that's an excellent point that these lyrics are like very elastic in terms of their specificity and and they're flexible and that I like that. But then the next point that you made that I thought was excellent along with the songwriting is obviously the performance because 
Nancy's guitar playing, and I think Nancy's undersung, har har har, ability to make a harmony vocal sound thrilling, mm-hmm. are both on great display here. And then, of course, Anne's voice. Anne's voice was on point and on fleek from the time that we were first hearing heart songs in the 70s. Well, we as a culture, I was not alive when those songs came out. But the point is, the voice is incredible. It's one of the signature voices of all of the rock era. There's a reason this band is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I feel like that certain voices are perfectly suited for the type of bombastic 80s power ballad style and she is the perfect example of that and yeah it absolutely is what i love about 80s heart music in general and when i say 80s i mean all the way up into 1990 when all i want to do is make love to you and such were coming out but what i love about these songs (laughs) is that they they match a formal tightness and we've talked about this on other episodes like songs in this ilk are very controlled like you you feel like the, the guitar riff comes in just when it's supposed to, and the harmony vocals have been mixed just the way they're supposed to be. There's no sense of anything accidental happening in yeah. one way, and yet inside... They make it look, they make it look easy, too. That's the thing. Then it's well, like, oh, this build is like an egg. Well, exactly. Perfectly. Because inside of that that very, very crisp construction and production, the, these two women still manage to sound unleashed, it's kind of incredible that they managed to stay, that they have so much discipline, yet they don't feel anything but con- connected to what they're doing. And it's, it's really exciting for me to listen to. And brings me to a question that we put to our patrons at patreon.com slash Mastis, because we ran a poll last week saying, which heart do you prefer, 70s heart or 80s heart? Because obviously, if you listen to their music from these two eras, they're not the, they're similar in that the voice is the same, uh, and generally they're still making loud rock music. But '70s Heart definitely feels like quote unquote classic rock. Magic Man, Barracuda, Crazy on You, Dog and Butterfly. These are songs that have a shaggier, we're improvising while drunk feel to them, and uh, our readers were almost perfectly split on their preference. Uh, uh, just over 50% of the people who voted chose 70s Heart, and it was just it was actually a perfect 50-50 split until someone came in at the last minute and added one more vote for 70s Heart. But uh, Sarah, huh. before, we, before we dig into their comments, I wonder, do you have a preference between the two hearts? Uh, Living in just one mind. Sorry. No, not really, because that's one of those bands that uh, because they were, you know, because they were like MTV heavy rotation people, much like um, Cheap Trick or to a lesser extent, this was more like late 80s versus early 80s. But Def Leppard was another band like this that you come to the band at one point and then you're like, oh, this is a band that actually had this whole, like, this is just the tip of this band berg. And then all of this, you know, exists under the surface of the water, like before MTV. So Aerosmith is another great example of that. Yes. That is a fantastic example. Way better than cheap trick. But um, yeah, like to like they're distinct, but then there's like continuity 
between, I mean, obviously, because it's more or less the same personnel. It is the two sisters. The voice is the same. But they were able to make that transition and they were able, like their particular style of song storytelling was perfect for the video era. And I, you know, I think that always would have been true if they were like, you know, 10 years younger and they were starting in the 80s and then evolving from there. But like Tom Petty is another one. Um, Mm, Yeah. You had a lot of artists like this that you heard that you heard their first act on classic rock radio in like during carpool every day. But then after school, eating chips, watching Channel 20 on the on the uh, cable vision system. Uh, Then you have this version uh, of them and you can see like you could see the evolution, but you don't it's not like necessary for you to enjoy them. Um, right. We've talked before about bands that it's like at the time it was like, this band will always be with us. They are huge. We see them every day on MTV and you know, that you can't really imagine a world in which they're not omnipresent in the culture. And you know, not every band is able to do that. And also people, you know, get older or die or realize it's, you know, there's better money in writing just like a three-note jingle for a Mercedes ad, and then you don't have to work the rest of the year. Bless. But not every band was able to make that transition to what MTV and the Reagan era seemed to demand from artists, and it's cool that Hart was able to do it. But right. as far as having a preference, uh, no, I don't I don't really have a preference. I think think if I could only listen to one version, I would probably listen to the 70s iteration. Like if I had to give one up, it would be easier for me to give up the 80s. Oh, because the 70s material, it's not that it's better. There's just a more like revolutionary anger to it and like especially magic man like we all need maybe a break from that song and flashbacks to the 70s like on tv and in the movies but there's something about that song that's just like really sexy and scary and it's cool and i wouldn't want to live without it um it's also perhaps worth it's perhaps worth noting too that the 70s singles are ones that they wrote themselves and they did not write any of their 80s hits um, and can I also add this thing that I uh, put on IM yesterday for Mark or Thursday, maybe? I was reading up on Heart on Wikipedia just to try to figure out, I don't know, the feud. Uh, apparently, in the 70s, a reporter suggested after a live appearance that the sisters were sex partners. At which time, the infuriated Anne... Quote, returned to her hotel room and began writing the lyrics to Barracuda. Like, oh. yeah, <laughs> please name that reporter Anne. We are here for it. And get your husband to go slap the shit out of him. Uh, seriously, actually do it yourself. That That is a slap you need to deliver um, once uh, and then again. Uh, I take it, Mark, that you would keep 
80s heart over oh, 70s heart? Oh, hell yes, I would keep 80s heart. Oh, my God. 80s heart is is actually stitched into my DNA. The song alone is my go-to karaoke hit to the point that I actually sound all right when I sing it. I have sung it so many times at karaoke <laughs> that I have forced myself to kind of learn how to sing it okay. I'll never sound like Ann Wilson, of course, but that's fine. To me, it's also because of my age. Like, I was growing up when 80s Heart was the heart that was popular, but even now, listening this morning, as I did, to Crazy on You, for instance, it has all, all of their songs from, that, from the 70s, to me, have the messiness and the endless instrumental noodling that I find very frustrating. I'm like, girl, <laughs> put it down, yeah. get on with it, get back to the hollering. Listen, I am here, and I, anyone who has listened to this podcast for more than 10 seconds is not going to be surprised by this, but I am here for some tight, focused, 80s-style hollering. I want it all. Alone is a song that I probably would have had us choose, or I would have fought for if we had chosen a second song, because I love that song. I love the song Nothing at All. I love Never. I love uh, Who Will You Run To? I just love them all. And I even love uh, a song that a lot of our patrons in their comments on the poll told me that they hated, which is the insanity of All I Want to Do is Make Love to You, which was Hart's last top 10 song in 1990. It reached number two in America. And it is a song, a story song, about a married woman who cannot get pregnant because her husband is infertile so she picks up a drifter off the street fucks him and has his baby and then later when she's pushing the baby in a stroller down the street they she sees him and he's surprised to quote see his own eyes looking at looking out at him from the stroller it features the line this is how we know that they've conceived because uh ann wilson sings we walked in the garden we planted a tree Yes, you did, girl. Yes, you did. I believe that's what Terrence Malick was referring to when he made his Oscar-nominated film, The Tree of Life. So I'd, It better have been. So I just feel like, to me, the, 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 there is honest-to-God joy brought into my life by those songs. But I do, and, and I, can't, I, can't, I can't get rid of them. And if you were to tell me, Mark, you only get to choose one group of songs to listen to, I would choose the 80s in a heartbeat. And in fact, if you were to say... I would actually cut a lot of other artists out of my life forever if I got to keep 80s heart. Like, honestly, I could say goodbye even to George Michael if it meant keeping 80s heart. There, I said it. So that's that's oh. the depth of love I have for 80s heart. I know. It's deep. It's deep. It's deep and it's real. And I didn't quite understand how deep and real it was until I started seeing the results of this poll. And I was like, no, no, I I disagree. But you know what? Every The thing is, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that 70s heart is bad. Of course I'm not, because it's great. But at the end of the day, that's what I choose. And uh, I'd like to just take a moment to read you some of the comments from our patrons, because they're hilarious. Um, <laughs> no. Let's see. Beth, I mean, look. Now, like, all I want to do is make love to you. Like, you you know my relationship with the phrase, make love. It's, <laughs> it's not loving. I would like to make it go away. Uh, but I completely forgot that there was this, like, country song that she's just like, okay, well, I'm having a baby this is happening and she just like makes it she just works it out yeah completely forgot about that i also love that it's a situation where apparent according to the song they have sex one time it's like she somehow was able on her her ovaries were so attuned 
that she was like, boop, 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 this motherfucker and right here. Like, actually, that's not all she wants. Like, she doesn't, the making love is sort of like immaterial. What she actually wants is boys that can swim. So, all but, that she wants is another baby. It's, oh, a, we'll dar- get to it's, that. A, it's a startling preview of episodes to come, in fact. Oh, God. <laughs> Very, I am startled. It is, it is true. Anyway, please, comments. So wait. Beth writes, Beth G writes, I'm glad we're all clear that anything is better than quote 90s heart as all I want to do is make love to you while a damned number one single, which it wasn't in America, but I'm gonna let that slide, is also possibly the worst story song in the history of everything. Let's trust the sperm of a homeless drifter. Excellent choice. <laughs> well, look. That it was an excellent choice. Sperm, the sperm got the job done. (laughs) And then I um, later, uh, Florinda, uh, listener Florinda, writes: This was actually a tough call for me. I very much quote appreciate '70s Heart and the Wilsons as women in rock, but as a sing along with the radio person, I prefer the '80s material. I think it's more consistently melodic. Uh, that said, she adds, Crazy on You is one of the greatest songs of any decade. And the audiobook version of the Wilson's dual autobiography, Kicking and Dreaming, read by the authors, is well worth a listen. Holy Kicking shit. Kicking and Dreaming? I feel like that's a Wes Anderson movie that got shelved. Oh my God. Look, this exists. I am content that God has not turned his or her back on humankind. <laughs> because that exists. Even though the sisters have turned their backs on each other, I feel like that there are chapters left to be written about this. I feel like kicking and tale. dreaming could be the subject of an upcoming uh, single that we release to the patrons because I- I'm I'm into it. <laughs> yes, t- top ten quotes from kicking and dreaming. <laughs> kicking and dreaming. <laughs> or we can have a contest. And it'll be like, all right, we're going to read like 10 quotes and you have to pick the ones that are from the book and the ones that we made up. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I also just want to get the job where you tweak popular phrases and repurpose them for titles like this. Like, a stitch in time saves limes. The story of the Dole Plantation. Or (laughs) um, uh, too, too many books in the kitchen. And the st- a story of cookbook wars of the 1970s, you know, it, whatever, any of that. That's what I want my and job also, to be. Also, any of these titles is is like likely to show up as a nail polish color. Oh, kicking and dreaming is such a nail polish or manic panic hair dye color. Uh, yes. What color? What color would you say that is? Okay. For nail polish. I think for- it's like a magenta, like a medium fuchsia. That's and I went I with a rich purple, so I feel like okay. we're on the same. We're on the same, like almost like an orchid purple. Uh huh. So I think you're right. I feel like yeah. Um, I also just want to say, Florinda actually articulates what I was trying to say about '80s Heart, which there's just a sing along with the radio uh, melody forward element that I like. Uh, but I it do is, want it is more singable, and it is uh, architecturally, it is more satisfying, as you were saying earlier. In the episode, I think the build is is really solid and effective. Yeah. And uh, several people have, uh, including Goon Squad Sarah and Heather M, say that they appreciate 80s heart nostalgically, but cannot, but feel that you cannot top 70s heart. 
Uh, as Sarah, Goon Squad Sarah writes, Ann Wilson was at her best, and two ladies leading such a hard-rocking band is so much more exciting and timeless than keyboard-driven 80s radio pop. So, fair. Yeah. But, I mean, the, they use that keyboard well. Like, you can hear me laughing during the synth noodling, but it's yes. such, like, stereotypical synth noodling. That it's and it's not noodling. It's it has its purpose. So, oh, before we before we wrap up, I do want to take a moment to to acknowledge the the duets that Ann Wilson recorded for films of the eighties, including "Almost Paradise," which is such a good song. And so now that is the kind of cheesy power ballad that typically Hart as a band avoided because. It really, if you look at a song like Almost Paradise, there's a schmaltziness that I feel like the heart themselves, the heart singles never had. There's a tough... And this is, this is a duet for, it's Footloose, right? Yes. It's, Footloose? It's, the, it's the quote, love theme from Footloose. Okay. Um, the, I owned that soundtrack on LP. Hi. <laughs> Denise Williams fan club. Um, I just love that that's a duet between the lead singers of Heart and Lover Boy. Yep. Both of whom, at a certain point in the 80s, I don't know, like got really into expensive cheese slash quick cocaine. <laughs> and they heard about um, this new product, bacon. Exp- <laughs> expanded. And yeah, oh man, I I cannot recommend the Lover Boy behind the music strongly enough. It's Wait, so I do want to say though, I didn't quite realize this until I started to say it a minute ago. There's a toughness to the heart singles that is missing from a song like Almost Paradise that also makes me appreciate the heart songs because there's never anything gloppy about a song like What About Love or Never. Those songs are always coming from the point of view of the singer is frustrated and trying to communicate. And it's not about surrendering or being weak or uh being awed and hushed by someone else it's about having an urgent need to say something except for these dreams but the lyrics to these dreams are so weird it's like they're an lsd trip i believe it's well and it's also it's like hearing about someone's dream in life which is like you got 30 seconds if i was in it if i wasn't i don't care don't tell people your dreams it's a good rule and it's also a crackpot. <laughs> it's a that's a song written by Bernie Taupin, but without Elton John. So you know, do your do the math on that one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure what I get. I think you, I think you get twenty. I don't know that joke. Died. I don't Freud with a perm. I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> Freud Freud with a perm might be the perfect image to use as we exit from this discussion of heart and go to track down every extant copy of kicking and dreaming. When I stop dreaming, that's when I'll stop loving you. The words that I This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting, that's me, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting, that's also me. Do you need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. 
Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet at us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page. That's at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.